You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Thanks for joining us from the business here on CannabisRia.com. And, you know, we're looking at getting guests on, especially people like our get, next guest here. We work hard. And I've been talking to uh, Leah, who was helping us uh, get this interview put together. So, Leah, I want to uh, stable down. I want to go ahead and shout out to you for helping make this possible. I mean, f- over 50 emails just to get to our guests. And, but this was somebody I was run- wanted to bring on for a long time on the blunt business. And I'm glad we finally get to bring this guest on. His company helps businesses improve revenues, reduce innovation, risk, and prioritize market expansion with accurate and actionable cannabis market intelligence, consumer research, and advisory services. They provide a holistic understanding of the cannabis market by generating insights from point-of-sale data, wholesale data, consumer research, and market forecast. And honestly, every time I see various stories, whether it's in the financial markets or a lot of places, this company is regularly cited for stats. So I'm glad to bring on the CEO of BDSA, Roy Bingham, here on the program. Welcome on. Thank you very much, and uh, it's nice to be on Cannabis Radio, and I do apologize for the 50-email exchange. It makes me sound like such a big shot. Um, not at all. <laughs> you know, listen, I, it, we've, we've worked on it hard, and it's, you know, even to go and have you on, but don't get me wrong, we've had some people that have been on uh, that represent your company that have been fantastic. And I remember going back to the NCIA's Cannabis Business Summit in 2016, meeting the folks there. You were off, I don't know if you were speaking or whatever it was, but I remember meeting your team there delightful and everybody was just so wonderful to speak with and we've had other well the great thing for me is that there are a lot of everyone in the company smarter than me so i'll do my best here but there's a lot of smart if i get it wrong there are a lot of smart people on the team will get it right i mean i did get i did look out 2018 we had a show called uh cannabis connection and i did get you on that show and i was like well still even then you were the big shot you are now but regardless, um, I want to go and get into a few things. And most recently, I was pointed out where uh, last week as we recorded this show, we're at the end of February. But you recently just released your updated five-year global legal cannabis market forecast. And according to what you're saying, that uh, the, the findings you found out in the survey, in the research executing right here, this market intelligence, that legal cannabis spending grew to 4.8% or 32 billion dollars in 2022 and there's a forecasting of a compound annual growth of 13.2 percent in the next five years from 2022 to 2027 which would mean 
the market will be nearly $60 billion by 2027. And you said yourself that spending so significant in 2022, that's rapid price declines across all markets. It was a flattening of sales, I know. And despite this, the forecast updated predicts strong growth in the U.S. driven by developing markets, particularly with adult use in Missouri, New Jersey, and New York. And we'll be talking about New Jersey, New York specifically with you today. And for the top markets, right, for the top five markets so far in the U.S. are Florida, Illinois, Massachusetts, and Michigan. They will all see an increase of nearly 10% in 2023, adding $770 million in new spending. There's a lot there, especially in an era of inflation, Roy. So talk to me about what you're seeing for this, that when we heard about where cannabis was deemed essential, you know, several years ago, that it was kind of an impenetrable force, that sales and growth were going to be constant even through what whatever kind of obstacles the world saw or what we saw in the States. Inflation, are we seeing the same thing here? Well, yeah. So let's start off just a little bit on that worldwide data that you started off with. You know, so a $32 billion global market for legalized cannabis at the present time, of which the United States is over 80% of that uh, total. Um, and we're projecting it to go to $60 billion and the United States will still be 75% of it in five years' time. So the first thing is to say this is where the action is. Obviously, Canada's got a good and growing market, and that's the number two player. Um, but, you know, apart from Germany and Mexico, not really all that much emerging internationally. And that's a continuation of the trend and it's sort of the disappointment around international markets. Now, turning back to the U.S., you know, in the U.S., we're talking about a $26 billion market in 2022. And we have that growing to $44.5 billion by 2027. So that's a compound growth rate of 11%, uh, which is, you know, pretty cool growth, particularly coming back to your question, because last year was not a strong growth year on a national scale. We only had 2.3% growth last year. Well, why was that? And what's changing now to ensure that we can expect 11% growth going forward? Um, well, the first thing was price compression and price compression in the mature markets, especially the big Western markets like California, Colorado, Arizona, Nevada, Oregon and Washington. Those well-established markets are all experiencing oversupply at the, pr at the present time. And that was a big factor last year. Um, and therefore, we saw prices decline on the order of 17% in California uh, for the five-quarter uh, period ending the end of last year, for example. Price declines in all of the other states I just mentioned in the 10 to 20% range. So unit volumes have held up in terms of consumption. Um, consumers are just getting a better deal now, and so there's less growth in terms of dollars out in those markets. Now, I want to ask you real quick, because you made that point, what, what just really stuck out to me, 17% decline in California. With all the issues that all these, the MSOs and, and, the, and the businesses there are dealing with right now with the taxation, with how much revenue has to go back into offsetting into either overhead or the various costs that the state is accruing on them, you know, how much does that take into account as to how much their declines are, are being uh, seen right now? 
Yeah, well, it's tough to be a licensed, regulated, legal cannabis company in California. Um, and it has been a very tough two years, really, that got even harder last year, frankly. So those companies are um, paying all the taxes. They're doing everything that they need to do in order to meet the regulatory requirements. And in the meantime, <clears throat> consumers are... Um, not exactly flocking to the licensed and regulated uh, dispensaries. There are other places that they can get their cannabis from. Um, and during the COVID lockdowns and then after, people uh, went back to uh, the illicit market to um, get product, which is cheaper and um, you know highly competitive. And uh, we'll echo this when we start talking about New York, of course, but in California, you have a massive supply um, a massive supply that's not only sufficient um, for the California market, but also uh, to the illicit market uh, throughout the United States. Um, and so we have to remember that all of these markets are, when it comes to licensed and regulated, they're unique. Every state has its own infrastructure that is licensed and regulated and maybe the new markets will not have the same pro problems with oversupply that we're seeing in these more mature markets. And some of them may not have the same problems with the illicit market competition, but that's not clear. But there's going to be that issue now when we go to New York, New Jersey, that's been going on pretty constantly. One other thing before we move along to New, Jer new Jersey, New York, uh, the issues where that, when I've talked investment, we got, we've had several guests on, Talking about investments and for those companies that in order to go and continue to grow, they need to go and look at investment dollars. But are there a lot available? And if they're, are they looking to go ahead and secure loans where they can find them uh, based on either it's collateral base or if it's just based on the uh, the revenue, uh, their, their positive cash flow in areas like that. But the other thing, too, is that I actually recently quoted from Motley Fool the issues about how in the last 12 months that a lot of the stocks have had a sharp decline. So part of the thing, too, is that I would imagine sales will take into account the fact of how much revenue is coming in and the shareholders also kind of, if there needs to be cuts made, if there needs to be a downstaffing, and there's various issues that are also coming into play where each of these uh, major MSOs are reporting shrinking quarterly earnings compared to a year ago. Is that also something that is being talked talk into account that would also play a part in the, some of the, the, the changes or the stagnation of sales in the last year or so? Well, it's certainly true that the stocks of the um, major MSOs have been punished over the last 18 months or so. I mean, we're talking about the stock indices being down by 80 plus percent pretty brutal and uh, maybe not you know not really justified by performance actually it's because uh, investment capital has just not come into this space in a tough time for the markets in general the markets will go to the less risky looking sectors <laughs> and of course cannabis is still perceived to be a relatively high risk sector um, and so those those stocks have been punished that means that um, those companies have not been able to raise capital uh, uh, economically in order to fuel their continuing growth. And therefore, we've seen layoffs and uh, companies trying to get to profitability and suspend their growth plans. 
that hasn't had um, probably a dramatic effect out in the West Coast markets. I mean, a number of companies have a significant presence in California that have struggled out there. But most of the multi-state operators have most of their operations in the newer markets in the east, the northeast, and the Midwest. And those markets, of course, have been growing very significantly. And so the real issue is there is to do with the supply of capital to the cannabis sector in general. The bottom line is, we look at the New York and New Jersey coming up, where and I, I think, Roy, you could, you want to correct me, please. When I look at where we always see the consistent growth, every time we always look at the new stats in this new report, you make the point of all the continuing issues with while other markets are in decline like California, that 17% number just stands out a lot. But then we're going to see the replacement of some of those funds and some of that growth from New York and New Jersey. So, the growth will always continue because we always have more room to grow. We have more markets to, to open up a green light, and that's what's happening now. And that, and that was made point in the research that you put out here. So with that said, I mean, that's part of the reason why we're going to see growth anyway, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, uh, the legislature at the state level is driving the growth of the national industry. The, unfortunately, the federal government's not really helping, um, despite multiple attempts. But we are seeing um, more and more states adopting adult use and uh, medical. And when those adult use markets grow in particular, they grow very rapidly. And some of the medical markets like Florida and Pennsylvania, for example, and, and New Jersey, uh, before it turned to adult use, were uh, strong markets already because there were, the legislator had not created massive barriers. So there were not heavy restrictions on the number of conditions or the doctors that were able to uh, to give people um, a, a permit to uh, consume cannabis. So um, therefore, you see Florida and Pennsylvania, for example, as being well-established, fast-growing markets. But um, Adult use, of course, is an inflection point for most states when they go to adult use. Um, you see a very substantial growth of that compared to the existing medical market in most states. And then also in the report, just in the, the summarizing of what's happening here in this new report, do you have uh, on the five-year global legal cannabis market forecast, you also make the point of which states we might be expecting to go adult use by 2027, you're looking at forecasting that Maryland, Oklahoma could go towards adult use by 2024, Florida and Ohio by 2025. So, and I'm hoping for yeah. Florida where you can see if the amendment is actually going to pass with implementation the year after. Uh, it's Right now, the signatures were just waiting to see where it goes, but right now they're, they're getting to the point. There's, I know there's a Supreme Court review on that, but either which way, you see some pretty big markets left to open up. And new markets possibility uh, in Hawaii and Minnesota. So with that said, you know, that trajectory for the next five years, how important are those new markets to open up for that forecast to hold water? Yeah, they are important. The hardest thing about our job is predicting when uh, the voters or the uh, state legislature are going to take action, and then how long is it going to take before there's actually a market that opens up? 
Um, in some cases, like Oklahoma, we've seen the market open within three months of the legislative decision. In others, we've seen two and a half years before there was the first sale in the first licensed dispensary. And so, you know, that is always the challenge for us. Uh, and as though, if those markets are very large, like New York will be a very large market and has come on slower than we um, originally thought in terms of the legislative action and the first dispensaries opening, it can move our total national figures um, by certainly a few percent. Yeah. So we're going to go to commercial and I want to go and come on back and let's start talking about specifically the new markets that have been aligned that have been very a model of focus here on Blunt Business, we've talked about New, York and New Jersey and the opening of the uh, legal cannabis market there, the adult use now in this space. So there's a lot of reporting you've done on that. You have opened up a shop there, your coverage of the New Jersey cannabis market and area, various areas there in the Northeast. We're going to talk about that coming up. After a short break, I'm here with the CEO of BDSA, Roy Bingham, here on Blunt Business, back after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand, and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. A new year, time for new growth. Grow your education and skills with Herzing University. Our online behavioral health programs fit your schedule and time. From an eight-month diploma program in health and human services to a 36-month bachelor's in psychology. Grow your behavioral health career with us wherever you are in your education. Your future starts now at Herzing University. Visit us online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Online at herzing.edu or text HEALTH to 85109. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Welcome back to Blunt Business. I'm here with Roy Bingham, the CEO of BDSA, by the way. Website is bdsa.com. Great, another great domain we got there. Of course, we all we know them as BDSA Analytics, but now it's BDSA, very much shortened, much easier to go ahead and uh, grasp and absorb. So, Roy, BDSA recently launched its coverage of the New Jersey cannabis market, and the retail sales tracking that you're doing right now 
reveals that the nascent adult use market has shown solid performance, monthly sales growth outpacing that of other established adult use markets tracked by BDSA, and despite having one of the lowest per capita retail counts of any market, tracking indicates that it's got a strong start from 2022, and for last year it was $200 million in legal sales between April 21st to July 31st, so a year, roughly uh, 60 days, less than 60 days. So you were featured recently, in, or actually last year we did this, you were featured in an article in the Washington Post that the forecasted legal cannabis sales in the U.S. would jump to $27 million by 8%, and the increase would be from states like Illinois and New Jersey. Are we already seeing New Jersey exceeding expectations, and how does that look for New York implementing right now and getting their licensee up and up and uh, board and afloat? Yeah, it's a great question. Yeah, so you're right. We have a, a panel of dispensary partners that give us all of our transact oh, their transactional data. We anonymize all of that data, so it, it doesn't reveal anything about any individual dispensary, and certainly not about any individual consumer. And then we aggregate all of that data for the state, so we have a very accurate way of tracking the total volume that's going through. Uh, the dispensaries in our panel, and our panel is representative of the total state, and it's a large panel. Um, so we get pretty accurate data that we can um, project for the whole state. And that tells us which category of products are doing well, which individual brands are growing and taking what market share, etc. In the case of uh, New Jersey, I would say that it's performing about as we expected. It's uh, a decent, a good start um, to the market. They had a fairly well-established medical market, and many of the uh, adult use locations were already in business as medical locations, and so the transition has uh, been relatively smooth uh, to adult use in New Jersey. And we see it continuing to grow uh, quite well and consistently with other adult use markets in their early years, which is you know, compound growth for the first three years can be 50% or more per year. In New Jersey has about 45% of adults over 21 who have said in our surveys, which is a separate thing that we do to get a better understanding of the market, they've said that they've consumed cannabis in the last six months, which is very consistent with what we usually see in a state um, before it goes to adult use or just at the beginning of adult use. So obviously a very large population, a long way to go for those people to adopt cannabis consumption from the licensed and regulated channel and therefore a substantial growth in the New Jersey market uh, expected. Now inside the details also, Florida, uh, me, flower, excuse me, uh, holds about a 40% share of dollar sales in other markets. And you know, it's doing quite well for New Jersey themselves in that market. And Dabble's not as much as compared to other markets. About 2% of the market share compared to 5 to 15% in other markets, just to make that point. Now, in the Washington Post article I just quoted, uh, you talk about the illicit industry and that coexists within the legal industry. So California in mul is multiples bigger than the licensed and regulated industry. I think I read something about, about 45 or 55% of cannabis sold is from the illicit market. I mean, that's amazing that it's still that. No, regardless of the thousands and thousands of issues or, or complaints that law enforcement have to deal with, the grows they have to go and shut down, and various businesses. And I already know New York, we've already talked about that uh, with various guests here on the program, about tens of thousands of various shops opening up everywhere illicit. 
And I mean, there's just no way that the, the law enforcement can even go and crack down on the amount of illicit markets. As soon as it was implemented, sure, you might have, you know, the Cannabis Control Board, you're trying to go ahead and set things up. Licenses are being implemented, social equity licenses on top of that, but it's very slow going to get it started. But it doesn't stop the rest of the market to come in. And you actually said that, you know, the license and regulated industry is burdened very heavily with taxes and other regulations. So right now, they are confronting a similar issue in New York and New Jersey. The listen market is just as rampant. And I said myself, if the legacy operators don't get a chance to get licensing, what else are they going to do? And we project that the New York state market this year will be over a billion dollars, the licensed and regulated market. That is a very substantial start um, for a market. In fact, I don't know of another one that has uh, such a big number attached to it. It is one of those numbers that we consider to be a fairly high-risk projection for us. Um, and the reason, of course, is because it depends on the opening up of those dispensaries. And in the case of New York, as you know, adult-use dispensaries, the medical um established medical uh, dispensaries are not converting to adult use. This is all the new applicants, and it takes a long time to get a new dispensary up and running and a lot of capital to get that new dispensary up and running. So already we only see a few dispensaries actually operational, um, and so that's one of the constraints on the industry. Um, but the next one um, is the existence, the coexistence of an illicit market, which in the case of tourists coming into New York, and let's face it, that is a significant portion of um, of uh, foot traffic in New York, I don't know that they would even know that their place where they're purchasing is not um, licensed and regulated um, unless they happen to have made a big study of the canvas space. It's hard to know. And so the, uh, the licensed and regulated industry is going to have ongoing competition unless there is... Um, um, major moves made to um, make it more unattractive for people to sell cannabis in their um, unlicensed premises. I mean, we we're here from business owners, and, and there's a story from Forbes. I just won't I won't give the name, but they talk about the fact that you know at the legal market, and this is for California, a California grower, that if they don't provide enough economic incentive for long time cannabis entrepreneurs, that they could go back to the black market, and the same thing goes for New York. Where I was saying it was tens of thousands because there were those that are portable or mobile shops coming out there. But then with New York itself, there's they're already quoting about 1,500 illicit markets now or illicit stores that are opening up. And, you know, the district attorney there, Alvin Bragg in Manhattan, says they'll work with law enforcement and Mayor Eric Adams to go after these dispensaries across the borough in Manhattan. 400 businesses warning of potential eviction. But it's like there's no real answer to curbing the illicit market, which, I mean, we're all the, it's just taking away from the, the growth that can, that can possibly become. Yeah, it's very difficult. I mean, certainly that can be educational initiatives where people learn the distinction between uh, purchasing in a regulated environment and not. That can be education for tourists visiting, um, you know, New York State or, or New York, New York, who will learn, okay, Here's the 20 that are licensed and regulated at the moment, and the rest are not. There can be all kinds of uh, marketing campaigns, which costs a lot of money uh, to make those things happen, of course. 
But at the end of the day, absent a major police initiative, a re major regulatory initiative, um, it's going to be hard for those um, new locations to get going. I want to take now from an existing market, one of the very first in Colorado, and what's been reported there. The Colorado Department of Revenue, this goes back to late 2022, that in July 2022's cannabis sales for both adult use and medical hit almost $154 million, and overall Colorado had broken by that point, halfway through last year, a billion dollars in sales. So that gives you the, the context of the magnitude of where Colorado can reach in seven months a billion dollars, and New York will reach, or New Jersey will reach, a billion dollars in sales. That's where, not too far away from where it is from a market has been around for you know over 10 years to one that just got started. So that's the real growth quotient we're talking about right there. But now- Yeah, the Col Colorado market, about $1.7 billion last year. Wow. Mm -hmm. There you go. Now, you make, more, uh, make a point about how the most dramatic sales declines will be likely seen, or BDSA does, in more mature adult use markets like Colorado, and New York and the newer markets will offset those sales. And it's a trend also they've mentioned here about how the medical marijuana sales in July alone reached only 18 million, the lowest monthly number ever recorded since January 2014. So medical marijuana taking a back seat is not the focus. Adult use obviously is the much more growth area, the, the more bigger area of growth anyway. And that this trend of falling medical marijuana sales that Quote, as patients have access to increasing variety and lower prices in neighboring adult use markets. Is there any cause for concern? Because, you know, if adult use comes into a new market and now it becomes the market player, it's the, the larger piece of the pie. Well, if medical use, does it still have a role to play or is it just going to get lost in the shuffle? Well, that is in well in large part a regulatory question as well. When adult use comes along to a market that already has medical use, of course, it doesn't mean that there aren't people going into adult stores who have a medical need. In fact, the majority of people uh, in our survey say that they are treating some kind of condition with their cannabis consumption. Um, everyone's on a spectrum, aren't they, between extremely healthy and extremely unhealthy, and for some of us, it might be minor sleep problems. And for some of us, it's severe pain and other chronic conditions as to the reason why we're consuming cannabis. But we may uh, prefer not to go through the process, as many do, of getting uh, a medical card, uh, which can be easy in some states and quite difficult in other states. And there are many people who don't really want to do that and have their name in a database and all the rest of it. And then, you know, in some states, there is a significantly lower tax rate um, for medical products. And in some cases, you can get much more potent products uh, if, if through the medical channel. But if those factors don't exist, there's not a significant price decrease because of, uh, of taxes and there aren't significant differences in the products, then the majority of people are going to say, I'm not going to bother with getting a, a, a medical card. I'm just going to go and purchase in the adult use stores. And we've seen in almost every market, as adult use takes off, the medical market goes flat to slowly declining. That should be a bit of a, I would think that would be a concern in terms of seeing growth in the market that if there's a bit of a, well, the best way I would say that 
is medical taking a back seat? Is it a point where I would want to go and think that having, you know, doctors or, or clinic or, or medical professionals being there to help in the administ- administering, having them more of the pharmacy type of aspect than that, as to going to the dispensaries and having the bud tenders that might not have that kind of medical or clinical experience to help give that kind of guidance. I would think, is it partly because of the fact that there's still that break up because, you know, big farmers obviously putting a lot of money, they're lobbying into the policymakers, holding off legalization for a federal aspect for the country that's holding back medical from being much more prominent. Is that something that you look at that would be a bigger area of growth, if not for the obstacles and the fact that that maybe the, the marketing and just the approach has is going for the bigger money for the more mainstream market as opposed to going to medical, but even then medical should be able to go ahead and be at the same pace as adult use. Well, I'm all for consumers making choices, and I'm happy that consumers are having the opportunity to go into a medical or adult use store and choose a product or products and figure out whether that's the one that works for them, and they can go back a week later and find a try, tweak it, and eventually what we have is a great, big, wonderful experiment going on right now, which I think is fascinating from a data analytics point of view with people figuring out which CBD to THC ratio, which um, dosage format, which um, how much is actually helping them to address their medical condition. Whether they're doing it in adult use or medical, that's what's happening right now. And I don't think at the moment that uh, the ma- mainstream um, medical doctors have better information yet than consumers are figuring out for themselves. But with more research, both into these patterns of real-world behavior that people are seeing, and that's something that BDSA is getting involved in, and with more healthcare-related research into these conditions and into cannabinoids' effectiveness, then eventually you will see situations where doctors are able to give people really good advice. Oh, with your particular health problem, a prescription that looks like the following would be the best product for you to try with this dosage. For the most part, we're not there yet, both from the point of view of the real-world data or from the point of view of the medical research data. So I wanted just one more question on the medical side, because in BDSA, oh wait, BDSA.com, there's a wealth of information. If you haven't gone after looking at, you know, registering for one of their webinars to get an explanation of what the cannabis market looks like, what their forecast is, getting the actual reports and going in and accessing them. One area in particular about the New York medical cannabis market, I'm taking this from your website, that since the launch of sales in 2016, you know, there has been a decline in in the market, a slow growth in sales. And part of it is, is that the medical program, according to the report, has some of the most restrictive licensing in the country which is undoubtedly depressed legal sales. But for the medical channel, there was a decision by a state Supreme Court forcing the addition of a new medical licensee. So there's these issues where medical programs see declines with the addition of adult use sales, widespread proliferation of illicit retailers, especially in New York City, having a role in defeated, deflated sales and the medical, in the legal medical channel, excuse me. So there's the area where, as you said, Roy, people should have choice. I completely agree. But the other thing, too, is that 
it's that gateway, the opening the door of those, you know, if it's the elderly or just some people that are medical patients that, you know, they're not getting the education from their conventional doctor of where cannabis could be a said possible treatment or an ailment, you know, something that can help with a particular ailment or some kind of affliction, that that is another area of growth, another area of customers that would normally not go into a dispensary. I mean, I think it should be where we should have some kind of parallel growth. But do you feel like in what you're seeing in the reporting that maybe that's being neglected a bit? Yeah, I think most of the attention has gone to adult use at the present time. And most of the businesses are seeing the inflection point when adult use takes place in the growth of the market. And most companies are developing products for the adult use channel and they're developing their adult use locations. They're well aware that consumers are going into those locations with medical conditions that they're treating but they're not really talking about that explicitly because it isn't the medical channel. I think there are some companies that say, well, remember our roots, remember where the cannabis industry comes from. It comes in part from a lot of brave people figuring out that this was the best way to treat their very serious medical conditions. And now we need to do more research and development and fund more research and development so that we can distinguish ourselves as being the best companies for people with medical problems. I appreciate you giving me an answer about that because I think that's part of the thing that the businesses hear that, you know, it's a thought process of, okay, a new state, a new market comes in online, medical starts first, adult use then will just overpower and overtake the, the market in terms of the, the growth. And the market share. But I still think there's something to be said about that you got to have that part of the medical side where if you're going into what's a cannabis clinic or, you know, the a medical marijuana treatment center, like we would call them in Florida, to have those in because in a, in a market like Florida, if the elderly want to come in, if there are other people that they don't feel comfortable going into a dispensary, but cannabis is something where it's like, it's not a luxury to them. It's more of a necessity. It's like, okay, this is something I need to have, not you know, as opposed to many people that are going to adult use, it's because they want something there. It's luxury. It's a recreational item for them. There should be something where there's a whole lot of money being left on the table on the medical side. If these treatment centers don't get the chance, first of all, to get untangled with the red tape that all these bureaucracies are putting on them. And second, that the marketing of these areas, that I think people should be able to go and get the chance to go to the medical side, get educated learn about that, and once they understand what they're getting, then they can go into the adult use dispensaries and they already have a well aware of what they need to get. But it's like, kind of get a prescription, get prescribed to it. And then, you know, find yourself understanding and then embracing. Because there are those that will already know what the space is and are familiar, but we're also trying to go ahead and we're trying to bring new customers in, new people into the space as it's opening up. Wouldn't that be the right way to go? Well, it's certainly an opportunity for uh, many companies that uh, see medical applications as being, you know, their um, their skill set and their capability. At the present time, you're right. The uh, adult use market is four or five times bigger in most states, and that's getting a lot of the attention. But over the very long term, obviously, as the market matures, you will see some very successful companies that are focusing 
on particular healthcare conditions. I mean, a classic example is opioid use. Um, and we know um, from data that people who consume cannabis have been able to reduce their dependence on opioids. And in fact, BDSA is working on an analysis that's suggesting that you can get something like 30% reduction in opioid um, consumption and therefore opioid addiction and the problems that go with that by consuming the right kinds of cannabis instead. Right. Wonderful. So for those businesses out there, this is my opinion here, okay? While you're looking at, okay, we're doing so great with the dispensaries, we're doing so good on the adult use side, I wouldn't want these businesses to go and decide, oh, you know what, we need to go and put focus back on medical because it's slow, you know, we're getting a slow growth on the sales are getting stagnant. Let's go back and start focusing. No, no, go hand in hand. Let's do it parallel. That's where I want to see things go. That it's it when you have medical and adult use in in the market, they should be hand in hand. Like I always know that, like you said, five times bigger in most markets. Sure, it should be, but I think there could be a closing of that gap. That should be considered. Most businesses, I would just that's a recommendation. I think if it were me, I would want to make sure that that medical side is also shored up. We're going to talk about the global market coming up here because I want to get the idea. We've talked so much about the states, but that global market, again, that $57 billion number coming up, that's really wonderful. And I want to know where that's going to be coming from besides the U.S., besides Canada, what other markets might be opening up and what are and what are key market predictions. We're going to run through those with Roy Bingham, CEO of BDSA. Again, website is BDSA.com, BDSA.com, and please Go look at the content. You can spend hours upon hours and just run through the numbers. There's just so much information there, a wealth of knowledge, a reference guide. Very important, and we're so glad to have Roy on with us. We'll spend some final minutes with him after this. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with more Blunt Business. These days, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make all kinds of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more, right here in the USA. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs in towns and cities across the country. And jobs bring pride. Purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. 
Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. I'm back with final questions with the CEO of BDSA, Roy Bingham here on Blunt Business. And again, Roy, now you're a busy person. We talked about that at the start of the show. Really glad you were able to take about 30 minutes or so to go and talk to us. A little more extra time, actually. Thank you for being so generous with your time. So the BDSA put out a global market forecast and... Some of the findings already said, this is from September last year, that by 2026, global cannabis sales will rise to $57 billion. That's an increase of $30 billion of global cannabis sales collected in 2021. And also that the updated forecast predicts steady gains in developing U.S. markets continue to drive single-digit annual growth in total U.S. legal sales in 2022 with continued growth prospects out to 2026. So uh, the key market predictions in here is... I'll just quickly run through these. Uh, continued price compression and competition from the illicit channel. Driving brand share consolidation in mature markets. Solventless products will represent the new wave of premiumization in the edibles and concentrate categories. Uh, brands will focus on education, on marketing, on newer minor cannabinoids and terpenes, emphasizing consistent, predictable experiences that these compounds drive. Uh, retail experience will shift away from traditional, more towards a premium Consumer packaged goods shopping experience, even with stringent regulations, based on uh, to be placed on cannabis retail across single markets. Mature markets out west continue to struggle with price pressure. International East Coast markets will represent the biggest growth opportunities in legal cannabis. So, I want to take that market right there, Roy. The international markets. Is there any place where you see, just like you were mentioning in the U.S., for their growth, there are several markets you're expecting to see green lit. What do you see in the global aspect? International markets, obviously, we should include Canada as an international market, um, and its rate of growth has slowed, but it is continuing to be by far the number two international market. The next area where there is great potential for development soon is Germany, um, and uh, the German market will uh, drive as much as 50% of the worldwide growth over the next five years. And it doesn't seem that there are other major European markets that are going to get the kind of penetration that uh, Germany will with its adult use market. And then the other one that we've always been we've been paying attention to and is going through this very long and torturous um, regulatory process is Mexico. Um, and it does seem like Mexico is going to turn into a significant market, probably starting next year, late this year, maybe late next year. That's the problem is is predicting exactly when these things are going to uh, get implemented. But um, the the rest of the world, really, yes, there is a little bit of progress in countries like France and Italy and the UK and Spain. Um, but, you know, not uh, really turning into very substantial markets for cannabis um, at the present time. The story from Rolling Stone actually talked about this, and they made the point of how they see South Africa could be leading the way in Africa itself uh, with the ramping up of production and professionalizing operations. Uh, in the EU, they're talking about how they're, the good manufacturing practices are having a global impact on production. Uh, the regulations now that you know, all aspects of manufacturing from base materials, production facility and equipment to training and personal hygiene to staff that will be still an area that's kind of will, will be affecting the growth in that market. Uh, when it comes to Latin America, you know, there's a lot of opportunities. 
So they mentioned Colombia, particularly they're ramping up production, but they're not seeing much else. I mean, so at the moment, we're still waiting for, with, with Canada, obviously, number two, they're in the story that we're also talking about craft cannabis being a real uh, growth area that they're, they're going to see where the MSOs have already kind of gotten themselves to such a point. You know, how many more million uh, square feet do you need to go ahead and build out your grows? But now craft cannabis is starting to be a, a big, important area they're seeing as well. But, I mean, it, it doesn't feel like there's been much of a change in terms of where the U.S. and Canada, or North America in general, like you said, with Mexico, most likely we're going to see a green lighting of that market very soon at some point. But the rest of the world hasn't followed suit. No, and I think there are many factors, but one thing we have to remember is we don't have federal legalization in the United States. Now, what we're expecting is in lots of other countries that are federally regulated for them to do something different from what's happened in the biggest market in the world. The reality is uh, legalization has been driven by state legislatures and by state politicians who are much closer to the consumer and are much more focused on what their voters want in their state. Now, most other countries don't have that kind of a structure in order to make decisions of the magnitude of licensing and, and regulating cannabis. And so we're still waiting in the European countries, uh, Brazil, Japan, you know, there are mo there's movement, there's progress, um, but there is, isn't actually um, legislative change yet because those legislators, it's not their top priority. You know, there are many other things like there are in Washington, D.C. Plus, with Germany, they have to get permission from the EU so they can move forward with their proposal. I mean, I, you know, it's... So one limitation I'm reading about when it comes to Germany is that it has to be agreed upon uh, from the minister there in Germany and the EU that all cannabis for Germany and their eventual adult-use bar gas be produced domestically in order for Germany to be in compliance with treaties. I didn't even think about the fact that the treaties that all these countries have also have to be in consideration. But you do feel like once federal legalization in the U.S. comes in, it's the key that picks the lock. Other countries will follow along pretty quickly after that. It will help. Um, I'm not sure when it's going to happen in the United States, though, so I'm not holding my breath. Right. I'm saying three to five years. <laughs> but I think I do agree with the point that I think People are keeping an eye on the U.S., waiting to see when that will be. But, you know, we I on this program, I've said it. I'm exhausted about saying it. You know, there's not enough lobbying dollars and not enough that can be done right now with a divisive, you know, Congress right now in Washington, D.C. to get anything done right now, let alone cannabis, which, you know, the bills have been put out there, bipartisan, written, like everything is all done. And there are enough senators and representatives out there that have already put themselves out there in front and center. Let's pass it. Anybody that's in, in any administration right now that's running government in D.C., here's as a win for you. Easy, you're not going to take it, but it's there. You can have it. And that would actually help, I think, would make some kind of an impact to other markets and cannabis in that could grow like it should be in the global markets and even put even more of a dent into the report you're putting into to you know, solidify the numbers that you're already forecasting. So there we go. That's a look at the whole market by the numbers. Roy, thank you again for being on with us. Again, BDSA.com. Uh, real quick, before we go to wrap things up, just take a minute to talk to our listeners about uh, the wealth of information you have on the site and other things that they should be doing so that 
they could be more involved with what BDSC is doing. It could also be one of the partners that also reports to you. Well, thank you very much. It's really been enjoyable to talk with you. We love Cannabis Radio. Um, we love giving information out there to consumers and business people in the cannabis space. And that's why we founded the company eight years ago. It was to give the same kind of data and insights to companies uh, in the cannabis space that already exist in almost every other place. So the first thing that we do is retail sales tracking. As I explained with regard to New Jersey, for example, we have a panel of dispensaries that give us all of their data. In return for that, they get to be able to compare their data to the state and understand which new products are doing well and which they, they should put on the shelves, et cetera. So if you're in the dispensary side of the business, you want to know how to satisfy consumer demand. You want to make sure that they come into your dispensary, purchase in your dispensary and don't go up the road to the other one that has the product that is hot. Then you want to be a member of BDSA. You want to um, contact us and, and join our panels. If you are a brand that is producing products, you want to know how big is the demand for this category of products? What's the competition? What are the price points the other products are selling at? How can I penetrate that market? What attributes do I need for my products, et cetera? All that good marketing and product development data, that's what we provide based on a massive databases that we've accumulated over these eight years and the history that we've seen in all of these other markets. And then the other thing that our clients want to do is they want to understand consumer behavior in a um, fairly quantitative manner, if possible. Um, so we've been surveying consumers now for six and a half years, every six months, thousands of consumers asking them both consistent questions and new questions as is relevant to their states or their markets or the development. And so you get a, 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 an overwhelming amount of information about the types of consumers, but also what their motivations are. Why are they consuming? When are they consuming? How are they consuming? How satisfied are they with their dispensary experience with the products that are out there, etc.? Kind of stuff that's absolutely essential when you're investing in creating new products and new brands uh, and building your business. Um, so that's what BDSA is here for. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that I think we're doing a very good job and uh, we get great feedback from our clients. Um, and we're always pleased to talk to new entrants into the market as well. And a lot of what we've talked about today with the market forecasting is really about giving them macro understanding of what's going on at the state and international and national level. Uh, in terms of the growth of this industry. Um, you know, toughish times right now, but let's remember the trajectory of the industry has been tremendous um, and the long-term future of uh, 11 to 13% growth over the next five years is very bright too, uh, despite the headwinds of a tough economy and the challenges of price compression and uh frankly, unfair regulation of the licensed and regulated companies. There's a lot there. But I will tell you that uh, all my experience with BDS has been wonderful. I love the quote, the analytics that I find out from various reports that come out from your team. And your team has been wonderful to work with. I you know, I really do appreciate you taking time out. This is great information. And, and people can go ahead and get lost in the details, but the numbers I like to go and look at and take that information and just look at what, what comes up 
for our businesses in general. And just, I think there's a whole lot we really explain here to the audience. I appreciate you taking the time out for me, Roy. And let's please open the door again. Anytime you have any more information for us, I'd love to have you come on back. My pleasure. Thanks very much. All right, Roy. Thank you again, Roy Ringham, CEO of BDSA. And thank you listeners for listening to another Blunt Business. We'll talk to you next time. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.